Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Morning, Crosswalk. Um, it is great to be here. The, like, he, like Pastor Jeff said, I'm Matt Dobler. I'm the lead pastor at Christ the Rock Church in Round Rock, Texas. Um, I asked for the opportunity to speak with you guys because you, your church supports ours, um, not only financially, but also in your prayers and uh, in your mentoring. Uh, last year, for the whole year, Pastor Jeff served as my professional coach. Uh, we ended up going to New York together um, to do a little bit of studying and uh, some really neat things. And uh, we are sort of in the process of catching up to crosswalk. That's kind of kind of how I look at it. But we like we want to we just find out what you guys are doing so that we can like learn a lot of those things and try to catch up and uh, and uh, share the gospel the way that you guys are doing. So it's just it's awesome to be here. Um, after Pastor Jeff explained to me what the message was and the theme that you guys are going with for these couple of weeks, uh, I thought, you know, I could spend a lot of time telling you about what God is doing at Christ the Rock, or I can spend a lot of time telling you what God is doing. And uh, I want to do that today. I just want to take the time that I have with you to talk to you a little bit about um, God and his creation and his recreation. So uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, and then in the second half of the message, we're going to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, take a brief look at that. But we'll start in Genesis 1, and let's begin with a prayer. Lord God, thank you so much for the opportunity with these brothers and sisters in the faith who uh, live under your rule and your reign and your love uh, to to be able to speak with them and to meditate on the the power of your word together with them. I pray that uh, you would... Restore to us that joy of salvation through your creative power and your recreative power today. Uh, Just help us understand better what an awesome God we have so that we live in under him without fear. Uh, I pray, Lord, also that uh, you would help us put aside any distractions that we're bringing with us today and this morning. Even Sunday mornings for us in this day and age can be just crazy. Uh, just, Just being able to get here. So. Uh, please, please empty our minds of all that would distract us and help us to open our eyes to your great creation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. So, uh, I- I'm standing in my bathroom over lunch the other day, and I'm brushing my teeth. Now, this is not a dentist message or anything like that. Um, I'm brushing my teeth, and I don't know if you have this experience. I do. I'm very rhythmic in the way that I think and the way that I act. And so I started getting into, as I often do, a pattern with my brushing, like, shuka, 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 you know. I don't know why that happens. And, and then all of a sudden, in, in the midst of that, this Golden Grahams jingle comes into my head. I, no one else has, remembers this one, but I, I remember this very distinctly. Um, golden honey, just a touch with Grahams golden wheat. I thought, what in the world is wrong with me? I haven't heard that in probably 25 years. I'm brushing my teeth, and all of a sudden, poof, there it pops in. So I go downstairs, and I'm talking with my wife, and I'm like, isn't this bizarre how stuff like this happens? And these things from when we were kids just pop into our head. So we start trying to think of others. Um, See if you know these ones. I I like to buy the world a Coke, right? Okay. Um, Frosted Lucky Charms are magically... Um, give me a break, give me a break. This is a little harder. Give me a break me off a piece of that. See. Um, two olive beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a... You know what? That's sad and scary. Isn't that scary? 
I can't, I, I honestly, at 36, the age of 36, I go to the pantry sometimes, look in the pantry and go, what in the world was I here for? Beans, tomatoes? I have no idea. I can't, I can't remember the date of my mom's birthday after all of these years, and yet I can remember it's one honey oven, oh, it's honey nut Cheerios. That's scary. I was thinking about that in our lives. Do you realize, do you ever think about how much the patterns in our life are affected by what we learn in our youth? You ever notice that? And, and, and sad to say, not all of that is good. For example, some of us growing up were ingrained with the idea that wealth equals security. So if you were poor, the idea was you get wealth, you'll be secure. If you were already rich, the idea was you keep that wealth, you marry somebody wealthy so that you can maintain that security. That was ingrained in you, perhaps in your home from your youth, and it's still there to this day. It affects the way that you live, the decisions that you make. Um, Some of us were ingrained with the idea uh, that we needed to maintain appearances at all costs. So we were raised in a home where our parents did not want the community or the church to know what was really going on in the home. And so we put on a church face. Anybody ever done that? We didn't want people to realize or to talk about what might be going on in our homes. Some of us were ingrained with the idea that we must um, conquer at all costs. That we must always come on top, out on top. We must always win. You can never lose. You can never come in second place. Some of us, that was caused by abuse. Where we were hurt, we were physically or, or emotionally or sexually abused. And we said, I, never again will I let somebody take advantage of me. I will always strike out first. And that affects us today. Some of us are ingrained with the idea that relationships are all about what we can get out of it. We saw that maybe in our parents and we learned that from them. Uh, some of us are ingrained with the idea that... Uh, Um, sexuality was something that we need to use to get ahead or to be noticed by people. It affects the way that we dress, the way that we interact with people of the opposite sex. Some of us ingrained with the idea that we need to hang on to bitterness, hang on to anger. We cannot let go of those things. And some ingrained with the idea like I uh, was or am, uh, the idea that if something can go wrong, it will. And you live with a constant sense of dread. Maybe sick to your stomach when you wake up in the morning because you don't know how the day is going to go. Those are things, patterns that were ingrained in us all the way back when we were kids uh, in our homes or through tragic circumstances. And to this day, many of us fall victim to what happens in those things. What happened to us all those years ago, it affects our relationships, it affects our decisions, and sometimes without even realizing it, because those are patterns that, that, that are just a part of who we are. Now, now, here's the problem with those patterns. Here's the problem. The problem is fear. When, when my, my wife and I first got married, we got this little dog named Roscoe. He had been abused before we got him, so anytime that you raised your voice, he would cringe in fear. Now, Roscoe was a naughty dog. I hope you don't mind me telling you this story. We lived in an apartment, and it's a naughty little dog. He once got into the corner, and he started pooping on our carpet. And I freaked out. So I pick him up, and I start yelling at him. I'm trying to get him outside. And while I'm doing that, he gets so scared that I'm going to beat him that he starts peeing everywhere. So there goes my security deposit, right? 
right out the door. And, and we're running along. We kind of look like one of those, you know, those, those statues, right? The little stream coming out of them. That's what we look like as we're running. And, but I, after I thought about it, I felt terrible because this dog was so ingrained with a pattern of fear that he thought I was going to beat him. So often those patterns that exist in our lives are brought about, are caused by fear. Fear that we won't have enough. Fear that we won't be noticed. Fear that someone will take advantage of us. Uh, fear, that, uh, fear that we'll be punished. Fear of guilt. Uh, fear of being abandoned. It's fear, fear, fear. The thing is, God did not call us to live in fear but joy, hope, and peace. Over 360 times in the Bible, in some form or another, it says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Every night I bless my children before they go to bed, and one of the passages that we use is 2 Timothy chapter 1, where it says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. God says, no fear, live in joy, live in hope, live in peace. My prayer for you is that God would remove from you that fear and those unhealthy patterns to live in the joy and the hope and the peace that he wants you to have. One of the troubles we have with doing that, one of the troubles that we have with that letting go of those unhealthy patterns in our life is that we wonder about the power and the goodness of our God. We say, I'm not really sure deep down inside. I'm not really sure if he wants to help me or if he can help me. And so I'm going to hang on to these unhealthy patterns as a fallback position just in case. Just in case I'm going to hang on to my wealth in that sort of security kind of way. Just in case I'm going to put up this front so people can't see what I'm really like. And so today we go back all the way to the beginning to reframe our worldview by looking at God in his creative and in his recreative power. It's very simple. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the simplest way of saying that everything in the material universe came about with a single word from the immaterial and eternal God. Everything, atoms, time, gravity, color, sound, with a single word from God. Now, evolutionists don't like that. Evolutionists say that's ridiculous. How could everything this big, this grand, come about simply like that with a word from God? I'm not a scientist, but I want you to consider a couple of things. First of all, do you realize that the, the universe is infinitely fine-tuned for human life? Take the position of the earth. If we were any closer to the sun, we would all burn up. If we were any further from the sun, we'd all freeze to death. 
The oxygen in our atmosphere is 21% of the atmosphere. If it were 25%, fires would break out everywhere. If it were 15%, we'd all suffocate. If the gravity were any stronger, it would crush us to death. If it were any weaker, the stars and the planets never could have formed and everything would be falling apart. But it all came about by chance. I don't think so. How about our bodies? Did you know that every one of you started out as a tiny ball, no bigger than the size of a period at the end of a sentence? And inside of that ball was coiled up over six feet of DNA. That DNA had all the information that would say what color your eyes were, your color your hair, uh, your height, all those things. All of that coiled up in your DNA. Now put a little perspective on that. You know CD-ROMs, right? You guys have heard of those. See if I can find one here. See if they left me one. There we go. CD-ROM. CD-ROM can contain hundreds of millions of bits of information. Like, ooh, CD-ROM. Amazing. By comparison, uh, the amount of information on DNA the size of the head of a pin would be enough to fill a stack of books from the earth to the moon 500 times. Now, you think about the research that went into developing the very first computer, which was the size of a Greyhound bus. And all of the research that has gone in since that time to develop the, the, the computers that we have today with CD-ROMs and, and all the laptops and all that cool stuff. You think about that research. Who in their right mind would say, all of that came about by chance. There was some silicon floating around in the sky. It fell to this earth and voila, the PC. Like that's ludicrous. Maybe the Apple IIe. Did anyone ever use that computer? That one maybe, right? That might have fallen out of the sky. But... That's ludicrous. And now you look at the body and the DNA inside of the body that is infinitely more complex, and we're going to say that came about by chance? I don't think so. I don't think so. And the Big Bang Theory, I, I, this is totally non-scientific, but uh, is anybody in here ever exploded fireworks? Right? A lot of loud noise, a lot of exploded fruit and little plastic green army guys blown up all over the place, all of that stuff, Right? Whenever can you imagine all of the paper from that firecracker exploding out into nowhere and all of a sudden coming back to form a complex paper snowflake? Chaos does not produce order without a design, without a designer. Science, the more time that it spends looking into the depths of the, the amazing nature of the universe the more that scientists throughout the world are starting to question the validity uh, of the, the evolutionary theory. This, this is becoming a huge deal. It is causing a huge ruckus in the scientific community. Um, it is causing all kinds of censorship. There is a movie coming out. I think it's this month. Uh, it's by uh, Ben Stein. It's called Expelled. It has to do with this very thing. Okay? Now, I am not smart enough to disprove every tenet of evolution. I'm just not that smart. And I cannot prove to you a six-day literal creation. But what you have to think through is this, that both of them, both the theory of evolution, the theory of creation, are belief systems. Nobody was there to witness either. 
There was not a busload of senior citizens on tour who happened to get out right next to the primordial soup when supposedly a fish with two legs crawled out. And he said, honey, get that on the Polaroid. No one home is going to believe this. It didn't happen that way. All of it is a belief system. And what you have to understand is that belief systems affect your worldview. So if you believe in evolution, ultimately, in the end, the final conclusion is that everything came about by chance. Therefore, there is no God. Therefore, there is no divine purpose. Therefore, you are merely a random collision of atoms and nothing more. And if anything good or bad happens in your life, it's a crapshoot, nothing more. And that you are merely a meaningless speck on a meaningless spiral going absolutely nowhere. Do we wonder why so many people are filled with despair? Do we wonder why um, depression medication makes up the number one pharmaceutical in the industry? If there is no God, there is no creation, why live? But if there's a God who created atoms, a God who created physics, you remember physics in high school? I thought anybody who understands vectors, mass, and density must be a genius. This is the God who created all that. If this is the God, if there is a God who created color and sound, that is going to affect your worldview hugely. What it means, first of all, is that God is mighty and powerful. And that, friends, is perhaps the biggest understatement I have ever made. Scientists say that there are over 100 billion galaxies in the universe. We're in one of them, the Milky Way. 100 billion galaxies. Now, Wikipedia tells us that every galaxy is between 1,000 and 100,000 parsecs in diameter. I researched it. Parsecs is not something that was just made up for Star Trek. That is, that is I was like, oh, they're making that up. There's no such thing as a parsec. It's true. A parsec is 19 trillion miles. Now, you multiply 100,000 times 19 trillion. Anybody got it? Yeah, a lot of zeros. 100,000 by 19 trillion, and you have the diameter of some of the galaxies in our 100 billion galaxy universe. And that's not counting all the dead space in between all the galaxies. Now, sometimes when I'm sitting upstairs, I get really hungry. But I am so lazy that I will not go down the stairs to the refrigerator to make myself a sandwich. I figure I might as well starve because that's too much effort. Anybody there with me? We, we have a God who walked the universe and put it in place. Look at creation. Just look at creation. This earth creation. A pastor put it this way. He said, nobody stands on the edge of the Grand Canyon, as I did this, this week. Nobody stands on the edge of the Grand Canyon, scanning out above its a, a majestic grandeur, turns to his buddy and says, Hey, you remember when I bench-pressed 290 pounds? Pretty awesome, huh? 
Nobody does that. Why? Because when you're standing there, you feel about this big. And you realize that God is huge. Why are we so afraid that he can't handle our finances? Why are we so afraid that he can't uh, handle people who don't like us? Why are we so afraid of what people are going to do to us? Why are we so afraid about the future? God is bigger than people. He is bigger than creation. He is bigger than our problems. He is bigger than our greatest failure. Maybe that's why Satan pushes evolution in our country so hard. Because if there is no God, then it's all chance. But if there is a God, then our problems are puny next to his creative power. God is so great, so powerful. That's going to affect your worldview. Besides that, God is incredibly good. He must be incredibly good. If you look at creation, you have to be amazed at the goodness of God. That he made all of this for us to flourish and frolic in. Go sink your your toes into the warm sand of the beach and take in the pounding of the waves. This is the God who made it all. Go get a porterhouse or a lobster, right? And you cook those bad boys up and you sit down to a really great meal with your friends and you laugh to your heart's content and realize that God made that. This is the God who made oranges so juicy that when you pick them off the tree and you bite into them, you're like licking your arms because the juice is going absolutely everywhere and you're sticky for three days. This is the God who created rhythm and harmony so that you could be captured, whatever your fancy, by a Bach chorale or by the driving beat of Nirvana or Daughtry. This is the God who made almost a limitless amount of shades of the color green so that you could be absolutely fascinated by a forest of trees blowing in the wind. This is the God who made the hand, the eye, the lion, the elephant, all for us to marvel at. I don't know if we'll ever get to the stars. The nearest star besides our sun is almost four light years away. That means we'd have to travel almost for four years at the speed of light just to get there. So I don't know if we'll ever get there, but besides that fact, God put those stars up there for us to enjoy. Do you think that's a little over the top? Sometimes if you really think about it, it's kind of over the top. Giant flaming balls of gas in the cosmos so that on a nice summer's eve, we can go out and be fascinated by the constellations. You think God is good? It's amazing. God is both powerful and good. And the more time that I spent looking at it, the more time I spent thinking about it, the more I realized that God often points us to his creative power to comfort and encourage us. I'll give you an example. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 is an example of that. Um, in Isaiah 40, God's people, or the remnant thereof, are, are just down in the dumps because nothing is going right. Everything is falling apart. There's so much death, so much destruction, so much hopelessness. They say, we'll never get out of this mess. 
And God comes to them, and this is what he says. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. There it is, the stars. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Did you know that the stars had names long, long before we as scientists started naming them? God calls them each by name. Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Do not be afraid. Your God is powerful and good. Psalm 46 is another example. You can look at it another time. But after talking about the creative and the destructive power of God, his statement, his final conclusion to the believers is this. Be still. Stop trembling, literally. Be still. And know that I am God. That's awesome. What hope in knowing the power and the goodness of our God. Now, we are still tempted back to those unhealthy patterns and that fear because of one thing. Because even though we know the power and the goodness of God, there is something inside of us that says we can't be entirely sure if he will still show us love. He can help us, but will he help us? Will he be with us? Will he deliver us? You think of the history of creation. After God created that beautiful world in six days, he put Adam and Eve in the garden. It says that he created them in his image. In his image. They shared his desires. They shared his heart. They walked together with God face to face in fellowship in the Garden of Eden. But just like us, they doubted the goodness of God. That's the cause of the fall. They doubted the goodness of God and they rebelled. And they fell under the curse And so when Adam gave birth to his firstborn son, Cain, Cain was born in the image of Adam and not in the image of God. And Cain murdered his own brother. And since that time, creation has been this one unending litany of death and pain and destruction and broken homes and unhealthy patterns and fear. And we're heirs to that corruption. In fact, sometimes we are so corrupted that we can see it everybody else and not in ourselves. Has that ever happened to you? And even when we do see it, we put a church face on it so nobody sees. Nobody knows what's really going on. And you say, you wonder, can the creative and good God love people like us who are broken? But remember, there's not just a creation. There's not just a curse. There is also Christ. The one who came to live with us, the creator to be with his creatures, the one who lived a perfect life in our place, he never once fell victim to his fear. Never once fell victim to unhealthy patterns and they were all over around him. But he lived his life perfectly for us so that it could be counted on our behalf. And then on the cross, he took all of God's punishment upon him for what we have done wrong. Now, think about that from a creation perspective. He is the creator. We destroyed his creation. He comes to be with his creatures. 
so that the one who made the Andromeda galaxy and the Horsehead Nebula could die to set his creatures free. Free from guilt, free from fear, free from unhealthy patterns. It doesn't even stop there, though. Does anybody know what the first day, like day of the week, creation began on? Who knows that? The Sunday. First day of creation took place on a Sunday. God called out, let there be light. And light burst into the darkness to dispel the chaos and bring order to creation. And many thousand years later, on a Sunday, the broken body of Christ also burst out of a tomb bringing life and hope to the world, defeating Satan, death, and sin. Creation began on a Sunday. Recreation began on Easter Sunday. And from that time on, Christ has been bursting into hearts, into dark hearts, with light, with hope, with peace. And that's why Paul says in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, this is what he says, Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, the Creator, the Resurrected One, He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. God, when he brought you to Christ, when he transformed your heart in Christ, he made you a new creation. And what that means is that every sin, all of your fear, all of your guilt, all of that burden that you have carried has been completely forgiven and is erased forever. It is gone. In fact, Romans 3 says that the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that Jesus Christ fulfilled what he was supposed to do. That he has completely satisfied God's demands for justice. We are 100% forgiven no matter what you have done, how you have failed, no matter what depravity, no matter what your past, no matter what your upbringing. You are forgiven. Thank you. Forgiven in Christ. And in Christ you are also adopted into God's family and sealed that adoption in baptism. And what that means is this, that all of that creative power, all of that eternal goodness, and all of that love shown in Christ has been brought to bear on you. A God like that will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 talks about that very thing. It says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. You are his child. Do not be afraid. Third, in Christ, you have become a new creation. Quite literally, God took us from being dead and hopeless and caught in our our fear and our unhealthy patterns, and he made us alive, made us new creations. Uh, One of the most powerful places in the Bible that talks about that is chapters Isaiah, or Ezekiel, excuse me, 36 and 37. Let me just share with you a short passage from that. I'll make sure I'll read it from here so I get the right right verses. Uh, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Now listen to this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
and I will put my spirit in you and move you to, to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. When God brought you to Christ, he put a new spirit in you, new life, new hope. You are a new person. So many of us need to hear that. Listen to me. Look at me. You are a new creation. You are no longer bound by your past, by your upbringing, by your fears. You have become new in Jesus Christ. I think I'm running out of time. I'm gonna move it along. What that means is this. Husbands, men, maybe you grew up in a home where your dad was not a Christian or maybe a home where he was a Christian who didn't understand Christ's calling on his life. And you saw an example of one who did not lead his family, did not pray for his family, did not show them Jesus in his life. And so you say, what, where do I learn to be that new person? To lead my family, to serve my wife, to love my kids, to bless them. Paul says, you are a new creation. And the spirit of God lives in you. And you lead and you love and you serve your family. Because God is working in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And spouses, maybe you grew up in a home where your parents were constantly nitpicking and undermining each other and putting on the great face for the church. But you are a new creation. And you love and you serve and you sacrifice and you build up and you encourage and you move forward with your spouse. Because you are new. Parents, maybe you grew up in a broken home Maybe there was all kinds of abuse, but you are a new creation and you break that pattern because the spirit of God lives in you. No more fear, no more cowering. Change your worldview to see Christ and the power of the spirit that lives in you. And the very last thing, in Christ, um, you will live forever. Even if you should die the God who formed the cosmos will reform your body to be like Christ's heavenly body. And together in Christ, as brothers and sisters, we will witness the dawning of the first day of the new creation where there will be a new heavens and a new earth because the old order of things has passed away. And we will be forever with the Lord. Maybe you heard about this in the news that there is a Russian shepherd who is suing the Russian space program. He was asleep the other night. A rocket took off and literally dumped a 10-foot chunk of metal right next to the guy's outhouse. Now, apparently, this is a fairly common thing. So the Russian space program tells people, hey, we're going to be launching rockets today. Just make sure you stay inside because nuts and bolts might fall from the sky. Like, who's building these things? What in the world's going on? But I want you to think about that. If there is no God, then every day it's just pure chance that cosmic junk doesn't fly out of the sky and knock you down. But if there is a God, 
then your past has been forgotten. Then in Christ, you are a new creation and you're no longer subject to your guilt or your fears and your future is secure. Huh. The God, the creator God of recreation is your God. Rejoice in that. Would you pray with me? Lord God, sometimes because there is so much going on in our lives, our eyes are pinned to our calendars, pinned to the internet, to the screen, pinned to the pavement, just putting one step in front of the other, and we miss out on the beauty of creation. We miss out on the wonders of all that you have done to prove to us that you are both powerful and good, Probably worse than that is that we don't spend time focusing on the cross and the empty tomb where you have declared to us that I am the God of recreation and you have made us new. Lord God, I pray that this week your people would stop for just a moment, that we would stop our cars, that we would stop our lives, that we would look up from our Blackberry, that we would stare into the sky and be amazed at our God. And that we would take a look at your scripture and be amazed at our Savior. Lord God, you are the creator God of recreation. Bring hope to our lives. Bring healing for our fears and our unhealthy patterns. That in all things, you might be praised. We might live with your joy and your peace in our hearts. We ask this all in the name of the creator God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks, guys. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.